Let's go ahead, if you guys got your Bibles, Philippians chapter 1. If you were here on Wednesday, we started in verse 1 and we worked our way all the way to verse 12. Paul had his fellowship with the church of Philippi. And Paul was, you know, he's in chains, he's in, in the Roman guardhouse, and he's, you know, he's, he's chained up to these Roman guards and he's, he's far away. It's been 10 years since he was on his, his second missionary journey there in, in the church of Philippi. And he's, still saying that he has fellowship with this church, which is, it just amazes me. Um, we saw Wednesday night that this fellowship involved three areas in Paul's life. Number one, that it involved his mind, right? The church of Philippi were on his mind, not on his nerves, right? right? It's good to be on somebody's mind and somebody's heart, and they're praying for you, and they're seeking the Lord for you. Um, and it's another thing to be on their nerves. So, uh, secondly, they were on his heart, and, and he loved them. He had a desire to go back and to minister to them. Thirdly, it involved his prayers, and every time he would pray, and he would think about the church of Philippi, he'd pray for the church of Philippi every single time, and he loved them so much. So today we're going to see uh, his rejoicing in suffering Yay! That a great Sunday message about rejoicing and suffering. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Look at verse twelve again. It says, "But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains." are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice, for I know that it, this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and, number two, the supply of your spirit, of the spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So our topic today, again, is rejoicing in suffering. And our natural, you know, uh, uh, our, the, the, we really look at suffering uh, the opposite way, right? We're not going to rejoice when we're going through suffering. We're going to do the opposite, and we're going to be like, I'm suffering, right? We're going to, we just, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing that we all go through, but... Um, most of the time when we're going through trials and heartache and calamity and suffering, um, you know, our natural response is to cry and to moan and groan and do the Eeyore thing and keep our eyes on ourselves. That's the, the tactic of the enemy, by the way. That's one of his methods is to keep your eyes on yourself, right? Isaiah 14, you see all the, I call it the eyes of Satan. He's just so caught up and high and lofty and, and full of himself. And we, in our flesh... Uh, we want to look at ourselves and moan and groan. And really, uh, that's a part of your flesh and not a part of the spirit. And so when you start to read the Bible, it's a whole other ballgame. But not rejoicing because of it, because that's kind of insane, right? Um, Paul encourages us to rejoice in it. You know, the joy of the Lord, it's, 
it's the joy of the Lord is in, in our salvation. It's about Jesus. So as believers in Christ, we have joy because of who? Because of Jesus, right? And who is our joy? It's Christ Jesus. So Paul encourages the church of Thessalonica uh, that, you know what? It's not about performance. It's not about your works and the things that you do. They were going through suffering. They were going through persecution, just like in the times of Acts before them. And Paul said, be patient in your sufferings and know that the Lord, is coming. he could come back at any minute. And even if he doesn't come back, hey, guess what? You are glorifying the Lord in these things. In what things? They're being persecuted. They're going through suffering. That's exactly what they're doing. They're glorifying the Lord through their sufferings. And Paul said, hey, be patient. And it's God who's allowing you to go through these things. And, and, and so in a sense, it's almost like God's giving you a gift and if God gives you a gift, are you going to be like those kids at Christmas time? Have you guys seen those kids? Are you like, what's this? And they throw an attitude and they throw a fit and they throw it on the ground. And, you know, are you going to trash what God's given you? Or are you going to, no, you're going to cherish it. You're going to love it. You're going to be faithful with the things that God has given you, aren't you? Because it's God himself that's given it to you, not anybody else. And so, um, you know, in a sense, it's, it's a gift that God's given us as believers to suffer for his name's sake and go through the things that he's allowed us to go through. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, no, it, it's, it's just a, um, it's by grace that God allows us to go through it, by the way. Um, and we've been blessed with that gift. Amen. Wow, you guys, check you. Yeah, I, like, I love you guys. Um, so use your trials as opportunities and, and to glorify God. And instead of the regular moaning and groaning and, you know, me, why me, Lord, you know. Um, remember Job, you know, he was suffering. He was going through a lot of things. And, you know, he lost 10 of his children, 7 of his sons, 3 of his daughters, lost his home, his livestock, everything that he had. And, and Job, man, this, here's a guy that had problems, right? And he could, it's easy to get your eyes on yourself. And, and if I think, if you think you're suffering, you know, consider Job. I'm not, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's pretty awesome though. He went through a whole lot. And I know we go through a whole lot. So I'm not trying to minimize, um, your sufferings necessarily. But you know what? He had a relationship with the Lord. And God gives us the strength. He gives us the endurance to go through the suffering and through the trials that are coming our way. Oh, and by the way, they're, they're coming your way, right? If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. They're coming. You just wait, right? Um, and and, and, and not, not, not to run from your trials and your tribulations, but to go through it. And Job didn't curse God and die, by the way, just like his wife was like, why don't you just curse God and die, right? He's like, oh, thanks, wife, right? Um, but, you know, instead he continued to keep his eyes and his focus on the Lord instead of listening to the counsel of those around him. And, and Paul here, he takes it a step further, by the way, and he says, rejoice in God. And, and by the way, I'm giving you guys kind of an overview. You got to read all the Philippians, kind of know the setting of where Paul is, because if you read this, this context right here that we're in, you're going to be like, well, especially if you weren't here on Wednesday, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Be a little lost. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of the context here, but I understand that there's hard times in our lives, you know, and I understand this, that our rejoicing and our uh, in, when we rejoice in trials and tribulation and suffering and things like that, it's something that, it's not something that we work for or work at, right? It's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. Our natural flesh tells us, 
oh man, you know what? I, I need to work at this in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this suffering. I need, I need to do this, right? So that I could be like those Hollywood people, right? On the, on, the, on the TV where they're always happy and smiling. And it's fake, by the way. If you think that your life is horrible just because everybody else's life is perfect, uh, let's get the real picture here. All of our lives are kind of messed up, amen, right? We're all kind of like that. So um, anyways, we'll all go through trials nonetheless. And uh, But it's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives, through the suffering that the Lord uses to glorify himself in us. It's not about us, by the way. Um, uh, there's a lot of people that are mad at me on Wednesday. They're like, how dare you say it's not about us? And, you know, it's as if you can try to produce some kind of fruit for God and somehow, you know, where God's like, yay, look at you. You know, it's, it's all about you. When you get to heaven, guys, let's put some perspective here. When you get to heaven, is the spotlight on Jesus or is the spotlight on you? Oh, it's on you. Oh, how did you get here? Well, let me tell you, here's a whole list of things I did by my works and by my... No, it's about Jesus. So if that's the case, then it's still the case now, by the way, in your life personally. It's not about what you could conjure up where it makes God happy. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit in and through your life to do his work through you. And it's about you, John 15 Verses 4 and 5, what we read on Wednesday, abiding in Christ. Just just hang in there, man. No matter what the storm brings, no matter what's coming your way, you're just abiding in Christ. You're obedient to his will, just being available and, and being able to be used by the Lord. And, and how cool is that? You're worshiping God through the suffering. Isn't that cool? Amen. Amen. You're a crazy person like me. We we. We can worship God through the suffering, right? I think that's so awesome. But you're, uh, and, and remember, it's a heart matter. It's not a physical, you know, matter. It's not something that you can just do on your own and, and get through it. You're glorifying God, and it's a heart issue between you and the Lord through the midst of that suffering. So it, it, it's we need the power. We need the person. Uh, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling and residing and living in and through our lives. And it's through the grace of Jesus, right, that we can even have that in our lives. So to what? To enable us to go through the suffering and through the trials and through the tribulations that are coming our way. It's Romans chapter 5, verses 3. It says, and not only that, Paul says to the, to the Romans, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and and there it is friends our hope is in Christ Jesus and and, and everything that you're going through all the circumstances that you're involved in and, and and whatnot our hope is in Christ Jesus and that should give us reason to rejoice enough right Amen. You guys are good. Zechariah 4 6 even says you know what not by might nor by power uh, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, right? He's But And I think in First uh, Peter, by the way, turn with me to First Peter chapter 4. It talks about when you go through this suffering. And by the way, this world is going to bring you guys through so much. And, and the world's watching you. Your friends are watching you. Your family's watching you as a believer, as a Christian. And they'll see what's happening uh, around us. And just like Paul, the guards that are chained to him, they're watching this guy. They're like, you're a Christian. You're, there was a huge radical change in his life. And now they're watching and saying, is this real? And they're saying, how do you, okay, I understand how you are as a Christian when things are going well, but now let's see how your attitude is and your heart is when things are not going well, when you're in suffering. And, and they might say, um, 
you know, they come to you and they see all those things and they can ask you, you know, what is the hope for the reason that you have in Christ Jesus? What, what is that? Boom, you got opportunity now. Now you're able to give them a reason for the hope that you have in Christ with all meekness, that's gentleness, and fear, that's that respect. You're able to, to present the gospel to them. And I think that's pretty awesome. And look at First Peter. Did I say First Peter? First Peter chapter 3. Um, I probably should have turned there too. Uh, First Peter chapter three, it says in, let's start in verse eight. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Question. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify. Okay, before you even read this verse, understand they're going through persecution. They're going through sufferings. And this is the context of this verse right here. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense, apologia in the Greek. That's where we get our English word apologetics, right? And and it says, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. There's that gentleness and respect again. Having a good confidence conscience that when they defame you as an evildoer those who revile your good conduct in christ may be ashamed for it is better if it is the will of god to suffer for doing good than for doing evil so you can suffer on your own because you're doing evil or you can suffer for christ right anyways let's go back to philippians philippians chapter 1 let's start in verse 12 i want to go over seven reasons uh, why Paul rejoiced in his sufferings. Number one is because of the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 12. It says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Everything that Paul went through in his life was for the furtherance of the gospel. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 11. Imagine if he tried to plan out, you know, how he, you know, he's, he's going to get saved and, and, and how he's going to glorify the Lord after he gets saved. Imagine if he tried to do things in and of his flesh and not allow the Lord to do things in the spirit through his life. You know, this is, this is how I would do it, right? I'm going to build a mega church. I'm going to go into the communities and I'm going to ask them, you know, hey, what, why don't you go to church? What, what, what are the reasons you would go to church? And let, let's do all this. Let's, let's go feed the homeless. Let's go, you know, shelter, you know, the, 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 the homeless as well. And let's feed the, the hungry and let's, uh, let's do this and do that. And, uh, that's kind of the emergent style, right? Of what they tell you today. And I don't think that's where it is. In fact, um, 
when you read the Bible, when you're saved, you, you, you get a different mindset now on how to glorify God. It's not the way we thought it would be to glorify God. Do you guys remember in Acts chapter 9? You know, Paul's on his way, Saul, uh, on his way. To, he's basically going to go kill some Christians, right? On his way to Damascus, the Lord intervenes, changes his life. He's saved. He knows the Lord now. And, and, and uh, it's just amazing. And what happens after that, now that he's a Christian, because... Now it's all about health, wealth, and prosperity, right, guys? Right? That's the good life. Now you get to kick back and like, oh, I get my mansion now, my fast cars, my airplane, right? Because that's what Christianity is all about, isn't it? Do we, do we suffer as Christians? You got it, right? But that, is that what it's all about as a Christian, by the way? Some of you guys are all, no, it's not. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. In fact, um, it, that's not what it's all about. In fact, there, there'll be things in your life that you're not going to understand. And you're, you don't have to understand necessarily. Um, and that's okay, right? God's going to, he's, his mind is so far different than our minds. And he's going to take you through sufferings and trials and tribul. John, uh, uh, what is it? 1633. You guys can check that out on your own. You're promised to go through these things, suffering. Isn't that great? It's a promise from God himself. Hey, you guys want a promise? You're going to suffer. But don't worry. My peace is with you, he says. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay, 2 Corinthians 11. I'm sorry. Uh, look at verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? Paul says, I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Wow, five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At a night and a day, I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, Oh, here it is. You guys ready for this? Underline this next part and circle it. Get to know this part. What comes upon me daily after stating all these things, what my deep for concern for the church is. Are you kidding me? Out of all this stuff that he went through, his deep concern, where's his heart? What? Wait, Paul. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. Isn't your deep concern for your own life? I mean, come on. Hey, how you've been afflicted and, and how about how you've been wronged and, you know, you've been, you, I mean, you deserve more in life, don't you? It's all about you and your life and the things that you're doing in your life. And, and I mean, isn't it, I mean, that's kind of what Joel Osteen would say, right? It's about you. <laughs> Let's build your own self-esteem. And then you read the Bible and you're in all, no, it's not about my self-esteem. It's about Christ's esteem. You, nothing. Him, everything. Amen, church? Right? All right, we're in the same place. Paul understands, hey, I don't deserve a thing. In fact, Paul would say, I'm the most of unworthy people. In fact, oh, wretched man that I am, right? He would say, I'm the chief of sinners. That, that should be our attitude as well, as, just like Paul's. He understood the reason why he was going through all that. Did you guys know that he was called to the ministry of suffering? 
in order to glorify God through that ministry, through that gift that was given to him. And you guys have been given a ministry as well. And, and question your own heart. Are, are you glorifying God in the ministry that God's called you to? Because guess what? He's basically called you the moment you gave your life to the Lord. You entered in the moment you said, Lord, come in my heart. And you, you know you confessed your sins and you're repentant of your sins. You're broken. Boom! The, the change began just at that moment. And now you're entered into this spiritual warfare. Now you're seeing all these bullets flying, right? And you're like, whoa, what is that? Right? Your eyes have been, re- the blinders are gone and you're seeing all this stuff happen. And, and now you're starting to realize it really is a whole nother life that you thought it would be. Now you're praying more. And that's, that's the way it is, right? As a believer, we're seeking the Lord and, and it's Him doing the work in and through our lives. It's not about you. Now you got to get out of the way. That's right. That's our Christian walk with the Lord. And, and so uh, let's go ahead and look at this. Look at verse 12. It says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That word furtherance is a military term. It, it, it carries the idea of the, the point man, right? The guy out front, he's cutting the trail and, and he's clearing the landmines uh, for the whole troops to follow behind him. And, and, and that's exactly what Paul, Paul's, he went through a lot and he's been clearing the path in a sense for us. He's kind of our example uh, in his own life. And he's, he's not just telling you something, right? It's not poetic. It's not something that he's just writing out of the blue. He's not going to tell you something that he didn't go through himself. And Paul lived it. He experienced it. He knew, hey, he knows what he's saying through these sufferings, the, the sufferings that he went through. He's able to encourage us today as the church. And Paul is saying all of the beatings, all of the sufferings, all of the stoning, the shipwrecks have happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Homework for you. Go back and look at all the things that were negative that happened to Paul and look at the, 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 look what he did with those things. He presented the gospel. He saw it as opportunity to present the gospel to the lost. And that's what you and I believers are, ought to do. If you're not a believer, you know, you're just playing church. I don't, but hopefully you're here, and, and if you're confused about all this, which I'm sure you are, you're like, what, suffering? Good? Well, I don't understand. And you won't until you give your life to the Lord, and then you will understand. And so I do pray that you would inc- uh, give your life to the Lord. But in whatever you're, you're going through, you know, suffering, the calamity, you can rejoice in it because, you know, you're going through it for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's what it's all about, preaching the gospel to the lost. Guys, the, the world around us, they're dying. They're going to hell. They're not going to go to heaven. They probably will, but judgment, right? Where are they going to go after that? And, and, and they don't, they need the Lord in their lives. And it's all about the gospel. And that's why the, I think the Lord's got us here. Your heart's still pounding for a reason. There's a plan and a purpose that God has. And I doubt that's to make you uh, number one in the world, to make you succeed at everything that you're doing, to make you, you know, just the top of the chain and to uh, all that stuff. No, I'm pretty sure it's for his plan and his will for the gospel to reach the lost. And the world, you know, the world doesn't understand these things. You know, they're still running for that piece of gold or, you know, that pat on the back or that uh, title entitlement, right? They, they'll work whatever it takes for their whole life. And then they get that title and then, then their, their life ends and they come before the Lord and they're living in regret. And they're like, man, why did I live my entire life trying to pursue these things in my life. And, and, and why didn't I seek the Lord? It was all about a relationship with Jesus. And I love 
asking people who are at the end of their life, hey, if you can go back into your life and do, do it over, what would you do differently? And I love the response. Man, I would pray more. I would read the word more. I would, I would give the gospel more because they recognize that's what it's all about. Guys, if you picture, there's people in hell right now, and they're, they're desiring for you to understand what the gospel is, right? They're, they're, they're asking, someone just go, and Jesus is like, hey, they got the prophets, they got the word, you know? And, and it's by faith that we come to the Lord. We believe because by faith. A lot of people that don't come to the Lord, it's because they're, they're too prideful, and they're full of pride. They act like they're, oh, I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in God. There's no such thing, by the way. You talk about Jesus, you give them the cross, right? Talk about the gospel, and they're all in tears, right? You're like, yeah, God created this whole world. You look at the stars, you look at the ocean, you look at all these things, and he, he went to the cross for you. He gave it all up, his entire kingdom, that you would give your life to Jesus and that you would surrender it all. But not just that, he rose again the third day. He's living. He's not a dead, just like all these other religions are. He's out of the grave. And, and, and all of a sudden, they're in tears now, right? What, what happened? Oh, I thought you were an atheist. You didn't believe in God. They all believe in God, right? Just, just keep that in mind when you're presenting the gospel. Um, anyways, your goal is the furtherance of the gospel, even if you are suffering. A lot of people, when they're suffering, they're going to close their door. They're not going to go to work. They're not, they're not going to answer the phone, not going to answer the door, right? Leave me alone. I'm moaning and groaning, and I'm all about myself. And they don't want to open up to the believers around them or the world around them. But guys, I'm here to tell you, that's a vital time to present the gospel because they want to see how you respond in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the suffering. And, and and your goal, again, is the furtherance of the gospel, right? That will come naturally to you, by the way, too, when you're suffering for the Lord. But is, is your heart ready and able to rejoice in the Lord when it does happen? And, and really, is your heart ready to rejoice in the Lord? Are you going to give glory to the Lord through that trial that you're in? And, and do you have a different perspective when people approach you, by the way? You know, are you going to... When you're going through suffering and people approach you, and, and the world's going to do this, right? They're going to talk all this stuff. They're going to make you out to be that evildoer. And, and, and realize they're not attacking you. They're attacking Christ, first of all, okay? And if you take it all personal and you're like, no, that's not me. That's not what I said. No. Hey, recognize this. They're attacking Christ. And if that's the case, you should be broken for them. You don't see the sin or I'm sorry, the sinner, the person, you see the sin. You see their heart. You see that they're a lost soul and that they're going to hell if they don't know the gospel, if they don't respond to the Lord. And you got to recognize, man, they're doing this to me right now and they're, they're crying out loud. And it's kind of like the analogy. If I got a rock, right, picked it up. Guys, it's fake. Don't worry, right? But if, if it was real, boom, you threw it at a pack of dogs. The dog that barks the loudest is the one that got hit. Arr, 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 right? And that's what the world's doing to us. They're going, arr, 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 right? They're saying, blah, 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 blah. They're cursing at you. They're blaming you. They're pointing fingers. They're throwing their little teenager out of, uh, attitude, right? And, and, but you don't listen to the words. You look to the heart and you see a soul that's crying out to the Lord because guess what? God's working in them. He's stirring them up and he's allowing you, Christian, to be around them. And guess what you're doing? If that's the case, you're hearing the words and you're saying, no, and you're throwing a fit back at them. And then you just lost an opportunity to reach them for the gospel. And I'm, I'm saying, and I'm just trying to exhort you guys as much as I can, you know, 
Look to the person's heart. Don't look at their words. Don't look at the outward appearance. And, and if you see, see them and be broken for them. And that should lead you to pray on your knees for them. That should lead you to fast and seek the Lord on their behalf for their salvation. So see it as an opportunity when they're doing this, right? Don't see it as a, oh, how dare you? It's, you know, by the way, you became a Christian because you humbled yourself. It, 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 you, you're not a Christian because you're prideful. And, and it's the same thing when you're giving the gospel. Humble yourself. Therefore, when, when they're yelling at you, there's nothing to offend about you. If you're all about yourself, of course you're going to be offended. But if you humble yourself, guess what? It's going right past you, out the door, right? Because who, who am I? Of course I'm all that. Amen, right? And you're this. Yeah, I agree, right? Hey, let me tell you about Jesus, right? And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> well, how did that happen? But we can share the gospel with them regardless of how we feel and what we're thinking, right? How? Because it's not about you who saves their lives. It's about Jesus Christ who you're in, and, and it's about him who saves people's lives. So really it involves and revolves all around the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you and I are going through, Paul says, is a momentary light affliction. Light like a feather, right? It's lights. Amen. Nobody said amen on that one, right? You don't know my struggles, right? But, but here, check this out. It's like if you lived 100 years on this earth, this is my 100 years, by the way, and, and compared to eternity, to that weightier uh, matter, I guess, of glory that's ahead of us, that's prepared, our, our bodies are going to be glorified and we're going to be pre- presented before the king and we're going to be with him forever for all eternity, guys. And just think about your life way over here in eternity. Then look back to your little tiny 100 years or, or whatever it is. And, and really... It's light when you look at it in that perspective, isn't it? It was nothing. What was I complaining about back then? Oh, man, how dare I thought it was so heavy. And so I was the end of the world. And my eyes were on myself. Well, get your eyes on Jesus, right? So uh, what? It's, a, it's a hilarious, though, really. It's nothing compared to, you know, what we have with Christ. And so really, it's a biblical perspective. So secondly, Paul, you know, he was able to rejoice in sufferings because Really, his chains were in Christ. Look at verse 13. It says, So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. They're in Christ. Well, get the picture. Paul's in Rome. He's locked up. He's chained up to the Roman guards, right? A Roman soldier. Now, by the way, this, this is the elite of the elite, by the way. And, and, and they're chained up 24 hours, seven days a week. Every 24 hours, there's a new shift coming in. And I don't, I honestly, I, I don't think that Paul was chained to the guard. I think the, the guard was chained to Paul. You guys see that, right? See the opportunity? Paul's like, hey, how's it going, right? And boom, I'm going to share the gospel with them. But Paul used it as an opportunity to, to present the gospel, for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul was watching this guard. You know, he's in full armor. He's got his helmet on, and Paul's probably like, you know, no, oh, that's awesome. The helmet, that's, that's, that's like your salvation. Oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down, right? And he's writing to the church of Ephesus, and that's where he got Ephesians. But he's also writing to Philippi, and he's seeing this Roman uh, guard and in all of his armor. And not only is he doing the, the full armor of God there in Ephesians, but here he's doing the typical thing as well. And he's saying, hey, my, my chains are in Christ Jesus. Paul knew he wasn't chained to the guard. He was chained to Christ. Did you guys catch that? It's pretty awesome. And so now uh, that's exactly what he's doing here. So Paul didn't see 
it as opposition, but he saw it as opportunity. And we need to keep this in mind that our chains are in Christ Jesus. Your children, by the way, moms, um, dads as well, your children are not burdens. They're opportunities to share the gospel, share the, the word of God with them, build them up into who they are in Christ Jesus. Give them the word of God as much as you can and, and see them as opportunities and not burdens. Your workplace, your friends, guys, everything that you're going through in life, see it as an opportunity to, pre- to present the gospel, to give the word of God out there. I know that uh, I had a landscaping job when I was a, a teenager that I started up and I had a, a group of guys working with me. And they were lazy, I tell you. It was like every time I look over at them, they're drinking uh, soda. And I was like, guys, get to work. And I realized, wait a minute. Every time I give the gospel to people, they, they just want to run. And they want to they flee. And these guys can't flee anywhere. So I'm going to give them the gospel. Hey, you're on break. How's it going? Hey, let me tell you guys about Jesus. And, you know, and, and then, then when they're working, you know, and I'm like, hey, you guys want to take a break? They're like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, you're good. Right? They want to keep on working. And it works. Seriously. If you guys got coworkers or whatever, give them the gospel. You'll see them working hard. Um, but it's pretty neat. I remember when I was at a at a pizza place, right? And and for nine months straight, I saw it as a burden. I saw I was like suffering. I was I'm giving the gospel to people, I'm presenting the word, and then here I am, dummy me in my flesh. I'm praying to God, Lord, I'm, it's nothing. It's useless to even talk to them about the Lord. It's been nine months, Lord, and there's no fruit. Nobody's listening. And I was just so. I'm sure you guys get down like that too, but. Uh, nine months later, there was a shooting in there, right? Some guy died. There's blood everywhere. I'm trying to get kids out of the way, right? I'm there on the scene and, and trying to just, you know, help in the moment. And, and, uh, I get, all of a sudden I hear this over the speakers, Joshua Bobion, come to the back, please. No, so what? What is that? What did I do? Right? I thought, well, so I walk in the back and then there's literally, it's about 15 of the, the, the staff there. Everybody that I've been praying for for out nine months, you know, they're all kind of like in a group picture. And they're sitting there and they're like, Josh, that could have been us. We could have died today. We need Jesus. We, because we, we, you know, we need the, I was like, does that really happen? You know, wow, that's amazing. And I was able to give them the gospel again and then pray with them as well. And, and it's pretty awesome how that happens. School to me, I hated school. I'm sorry to offend some of you teachers and principals and all that, but I hated school. Honestly, for high school for me, um, nice. Um, I, uh, I saw it more as a mission field. Okay, if I'm going to go to school, I'm going to, I'm going to give the gospel. And I remember going to middle school or a freshman year and, uh, I found out people pray at the flagpole. That was new to me. I didn't know about that, but it was only once a year. And I was all, seriously, you guys only pray once a year? So, my freshman year, we started praying every single day at the flagpole. And, and then it would usually be two or three of us you know, every day. But then every day, they would, it would probably be 15, 20 people. You never knew. It would just grow. But here's gangster kids walking up, and they just put their bags down, and they would hold our hands. And they're like, guys, can you guys pray for my mom? She's, she's sick and this and that. Teachers would come over, and they'd be praying with us. It became uh, very fruitful, and it became a ministry. Uh, Wednesdays, Bible studies at lunch, you know, and then Fridays at lunch as well. And it was just so cool how the Lord was able to use something, you know, in my heart that I thought and I saw as a burden as a like, oh, I hate this place. God was able to use it because I was able to present the gospel. And that's what we got to do as well, guys. Friends, don't forget 
Our chains are in Jesus Christ. That's where it is. Whatever you're going through, whatever suffering you're going through, trials, whatever tribulations it is, remember, it's all for the sake of the gospel. Understand, you are tied to Jesus Christ. Now you can rejoice in your sufferings now. Now you get that kind of that perspective. Uh, Number three, look, it's because of the boldness of others. Look, Look at verse 14. It says, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, Paul says, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. People saw Paul was being persecuted and that his chains were in Christ, and it made them bold to speak the word of God uh, and and to speak about their faith in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This is the uh, a truth the early church understood. Um, they were being persecuted. Uh, Peter and John, they were arrested. They were brought forth before the Sanhedrin. And, and they said, you know, we forbid you to speak in the name of this Jesus, right? And, and that's, uh, that's funny because that's a... Uh, I come from Arizona, right? Tucson, Arizona. And I was in, uh, on staff there as a pastor at, at Calvary Chapel, by the way. Um, and and uh, it, it came, it became very legalistic and very just weird. And and uh, they actually told me, we forbid you to to pray with anybody. We forbid you to read the Bible, and we forbid you to teach with anybody. And I was all. The first thing that popped in my head was this verse right here, where I was like, are you kidding me? Am I going to listen to man tell me that, or am I going to listen to the Lord? It's a no-brainer. Look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. And, and when they are warned, you know, not to speak in the name of Jesus, they were let go. And, and then uh, Peter and John, they got back to the disciples and the very first thing they begin to do is what sharpen their swords load the bullets in their guns what do they do they begin to pray what they begin to pray and guess what their prayers look down at verse 29 it says now lord look on their threats and crush their heads oh is that my version only no that doesn't say that it says now lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and they didn't pray for deliverance, retribution. They didn't pray for, you know, this is John here as well, right? He's one of the brothers that was like, God, Jesus, you want us to call down hellfire brimstone and just blast everybody? And God's all, oh, right? He's like, if I taught you guys nothing, three years, I'm with you guys. And uh, there was such a, you know, like, uh, don't you understand? And now I think they understand. I think they got together and they're not calling down hellfire and brimstone, are they? They're praying and they're seeking uh, their prayer for, for really the lost persecution really brought that boldness to them uh, to pray in love for their enemies now. And now God's like, yeah, there, finally, right? Here it is. Look at verse 30. It says, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Guys, Suffering, persecution, trials, tribulations should only make us more bold to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. And, and it's been said, you know, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. And I think that's true. That's quite a church plant right there, right? Um, and when, when, when you walk in the spirit, you're going to realize that 
God is simply doing a work in us. It, it all, all of these things are happening for a reason, for a purpose. And if anything, it's to show other people that our faith in Christ, it's, it's all about his ability. And it's all about Christ in us who can sustain us, who can allow us and equip us to go through whatever trial this is that we're going through. And by you, um, other believers are going to be strengthened in their faith now to go and share the gospel with others as well. So let's come to the fourth thing, because he was appointed by Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. It says, uh, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. Look at verse 16. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Uh, notice the word selfish ambition there. They, they were in it for their own profit. And, and also to add affliction to, to my chains. And I kind of get the picture. Maybe he was talking about the Judaizers at this time who said, you know, you need to believe in, on Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And that's, yeah, praise the Lord. And they add, you got to be baptized. You got to go to church more. You got to give more. You got to do, it's kind of like the Mormons, right? Where they're like, you got to believe on Jesus. And you're all, yeah, you do. But you also got to do, 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 do. And they give you all this list of man's requirements to meet. What? Where did all that come from? You read the Bible, it's not about all that stuff. In fact, look at verse 17. It says, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Paul rejoiced in his sufferings because he realized he was appointed by Jesus Christ to go through uh, this, all of this stuff that he was going through. He was appointed to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word defend, by the way, that's where we get our word apologetics, the apologia in the Greek. And, and it really... Um, that's where in a first Peter that we just read, where it gives you the people are going to come to you and they're going to say, Hey, what's that reason for the hope that you have in Christ? They're going to ask you, Hey, what, who's Jesus, right? They're going to say it in different ways. And now you're able with meekness and fear to present the gospel to them. And that's pretty awesome. But, uh, all of us are appointed to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way, with all meekness and fear. And I think it's more of a, a sin uh, to not uh, stand and, uh, well, really, I should rephrase that. I think it's more of a sin if you just stand there and you don't say anything, okay? It's kind of a horrible thing, an issue, because you think about it. God's stirring them up. God's doing a work in this person's life. He brings you around as a, the believer, and, and then there you are, and you're just sitting around, and you're, you know, they're barking out loud at you, and blah, 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 blah. They just want to see your response, because God is love, right? First John 4. And it, are you going to show that love as well? Are you exemplifying the love of Christ in the midst of your suffering that you're going through? Are you giving Jesus Christ? Or are you sitting there quietly as they're passing away and they're going to hell? You know, what are you doing, Christian? We got to wake up as the church and we got to present the gospel to them. Don't matter what you're going through. Oh, I'm going through too much right now. Don't talk to me. No, that's not an excuse. Um, Paul was able to defend the faith whether people were doing it or not doing it. He was able to step in there and say, you know, I'm going to present the gospel nonetheless. Don't let people sidetrack you from the ministry that God has called you in, by the way. But, you know, he doesn't do it or, you know, they don't do it, so I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. Don't pick up that attitude. That's the world. And most sufferings that we go through, by the way, is because people are coming against us. And they say, you know, they're saying bad things about us. And we're like, that's not true. Let me prove it to you. And I remember doing the same thing. But our natural reaction is to defend ourselves and, and tell them, you know, that's wrong and I can prove it. 
guess what? Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, he says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And, and learn that you don't have to prove your innocence, okay? Let God take vengeance on these people. Don't look at what others are doing, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and keep the focus off of Christ and keep the focus on them. No, 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 do the opposite. Keep the focus off of the situation and off of these people and keep the focus on Jesus Christ. Because when you realize the work that God has called you to and, and not get sidetracked through the accusations, then now all of a sudden you can rejoice in Christ Jesus, right? No matter what comes our way. And the people will accuse you, by the way. It's going to happen as believer in Christ. And, and, and we can't get that focus off of the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. And it's kind of like, and it's true. That's what they do. When, you, when you're ready to present the gospel to somebody, what happens? Talk about distractions. Amen? There's all kinds of stuff that, how did a balloon just fall right in front of our faces? What was that? You know, the weirdest things happen when you're presenting the gospel. But I, may I encourage you, stay focused. I, I remember uh, the woman at the well with Jesus. Jesus is telling her about himself. It's basically the gospel, right? He's pointing to himself, and he's explaining himself to her. And, and, and she's like, oh, but this mountain over here. You know, guys, you don't have to answer their questions, okay? Keep the focus. Bring it back to the gospel and, and just be like, oh, that's an interesting question. Let me, let me tell you about the cross, right? Stick to the points when you're talking to people because this is vital time and you know that the enemy is all over it and he's going he's gonna to get them out of there super fast. So give them the important information first. Then you can get, you know, let's meet up later on and we could talk about those other questions. Um, it's interesting. By the way, God is a better defender than ourselves. Amen. Let, let God do that work. Job, Job understood this. His friends, you know, they're accusing him of all this and that. Hey, it's because you're a sinner. And, and basically, uh, Job, Job basically just tells him, Hey, you know what? God knows the truth. That, I'm paraphrasing, but God knows. And, and, and he was okay with that. The most important thing is that God knows that you're innocent. And it doesn't matter, you know, what people think or what people know. Just, just leave it. Give it to the Lord. Um, don't stop just trying to fight for, you know, your innocence. And God knows. It's, it's all right. Um, so be okay with God knowing you're innocent. Leave it at that. So when you're not, you, you can possibly lose some of your reward, by the way. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. Paul rejoiced in his sufferings because he was appointed to this. What is our heart like when we're going through suffering? You know, question your heart. Um, let's go to the fifth thing here. Paul was able to rejoice in his sufferings because Christ was preached. Look at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And, uh, you know what? As long as the gospel is going forth, I find it funny how, how in the world can people give their lives to the Lord through that 
ministry over there or that guy over there. And I don't understand it, but I understand it's the power of the gospel that people came to the Lord. It wasn't the person. It wasn't the ministry. In fact, God not only saves them and uses, he could use a donkey if he wants, right? And But he saves them, but he gives them the discernment. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I can't be a part of this group. And they, God moves them to a church that's teaching through the word. They're sound in doctrine. And, and now God takes care of them because they're, they're his. But anyways, let's go to verse 19, the sixth thing, because Christ is magnified. Look at verse 19. It says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation, and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul's talking about knowing that he's going to be saved from the situation that he's in, right? It'll happen through who? Jesus Christ, through your prayers. And guys, never stop praying for others, by the way. There's power in prayer. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know... And we know, we know, we, this is our assurance, guys, that in all things, all things work together for good to those who, uh, are, I should read it right here, for, for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. We don't need to know, you know, uh, his purpose in everything, because we probably are not going to know everything that God's doing. God works in mysterious ways. His ways are above our ways. We just need to be obedient, just like we were talking about on Wednesday. We just got to hang in there, guys. Abide in Christ. John 15, verses 4 and 6. Just abide in Christ and let the Lord do his work. You're going to go through a lot of things in this life, a lot of trials, a lot of sufferings. But guess what? It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. Um, and it's about Jesus doing that work. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Paul told the church in Rome, hey, who knows the mind of God? Who is his counselor? You know, who, who, we're, we're going through all of this, but remember, he will supply his spirit in us uh, to get us through whatever it is that he wants us to get through. Just like uh, Daniel's buddies, right? They're there in the fire. God's in the midst of them. But you're going to go through it as well. You're going to go through some fire. And hey, God is accomplishing his will in and through our lives. We might not like it. We might not understand it. We might not agree with it. But hey, if you're not content, and there's that word, that that word, right? Content. Um, with whatever comes your way, you're you're in effect saying, God, you really don't know what you're doing. Here, let me advise you. Lord, here's a better way because, you know, I've been around the block a few times and God, I, I see the way you're telling me over here, but I don't think that's going to work. Let's let's go over here. And, and really, 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 right? Seriously, you're advising God? No, it's not going to work out like that. But understand, God's ways are not your ways. And when you give your, your will to his will and, and you'll have just that full assurance that God is in complete control, nothing happens apart from his will nothing happens apart from his control he has he he knows what he's doing so um god can use whatever it is that we're going through and remember it's for his reason it's for his purpose and but you have a choice in the matter by the way you got two choices you could do number one hey you can moan and groan and be bitter and look keep your eyes on yourself oh eeyore right do your thing and by the way does that work for you does that work for anybody nope 
hasn't worked for me in my life. I'm like, oh, no, no, it never fixes anything. Secondly, you can thank God that he's in control and he knows what he's doing. And you can uh, allow him to be magnified through the suffering that you're going through. Amen. Uh, seventh thing, the last thing here, Paul was able to rejoice in his suffering because of life in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 21. It says, for to me to live is, by the way, circle that word is, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Notice it does not say to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It doesn't say that. There's no contrast right there. Catch that. It says for me, my life is Christ. And in addition to that, to die is gain. That's what it says right there. True life can only be found by Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, right? And Life is not about the, the, the breath that we breathe. It's not about the heartbeat that we have. Life is all about the Spirit of Christ working in and through us as believers. Life's not about succeeding in something in life. Colossians 1, 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what life's all about. What's life all about, right? It, there it is. It's, it's all about Jesus. It's all about a relationship with Christ. So what do we, what do we gain when we die? We gain a glorious body. We're going to be transformed in the, in the twinkling of an eye, just super fast. We're going to be caught up in the clouds with him and we'll be just like Jesus Christ. And it's going to be an amazing time. First John, Chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And question for your life, you know, have, have you truly allowed Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior uh, through the suffering that you're going through? Or are you choosing to be like this? Have you guys ever held your fist super tight? You know, and it's, you're trying to handle your own suffering. You're trying to go through your own suffering. But sometimes you just got to let go and let God, right? And, and really, the, the, have, you, have you tried to find life in this world? You know, have you seen all that it has to offer? Really, just uh, the preacher says, right? Song of Solomon, Solomon the, the wisest man who ever lived. Um, he says, you know what? Fear God and obey his commands. That's what it is, man. Just seek him, obey him. No matter what your situation is, if Christ is Lord of your life, then you can rejoice in the midst of that suffering and that trial and that persecution that's coming. Guess what, Christians? It's coming, right? We're promised. John 16, 33, it's, it's happening. And, and don't think that you're going to escape uh, just all the, the suffering coming. Our, I'm not talking about during the tribulation, by the way. You're like ready to throw something at me but let's put our trust in the lord amen let's let's keep our focus on him and let's continue to uh not get distracted by the world but really see the world differently see the 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 biblical perspective and and not your own perspective and let's uh let's reach the loss for christ amen and let's pray father thank you stand up you guys if you'd like as well um lord thank you so much uh for your word and I do ask, Lord, that you would uh, convict us, Lord, of our sin. If there's anybody here that does not know you, I ask, Lord, that they would come front, uh, come forth, Lord, and really just confess their sins to you, that they would repent, that they would turn from their ways, Lord, and, and just consider your ways and begin to live for you. I ask that your spirit uh, would be in this place. If anybody's 
suffering, Lord, if they're going through a trial right now, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at and allow them to be just ministered to by your word and allow them to be encouraged, Lord, that it's all for you to give glory to you in the midst of it instead of giving uh, glory to self or anybody else, Lord. And so we love you and we ask for your discernment, your wisdom, and your knowledge, Lord, in, in, in and throughout our entire life. In Jesus' name, amen.